Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of two hosts, Kurt Flagel, and this is Kim Ward. Hey, guys. On this episode, we are going to have some fun talking about listening prayer. And as somebody who likes to talk a lot, this has been a journey for me um, coming to a place of understanding prayer as something more than me talking to God. It's a big shock that that's how I've seen things. But I don't think I'm alone. I think when we say the word prayer, a lot of people think about talking to God. What do you think, Kim? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been my experience um, in the past. It was... It's definitely, you know, it's it's like, oh, it's supposed to be a conversation. Like, you're always told it's supposed to be a conversation between you and God. But I think it's it's pretty easy for us as people to get caught up in the talking aspect of it and the asking for things aspect of it. And it's like, look, I'm sharing my life and my heart with God, forgetting that he wants to do the same back in, to us. Hmm. Yeah, I had a good friend of mine tell me a few years ago, as we were talking about this, he said, Kurt, you know, in prayer, whose voice is it more important to listen to, yours or God's? <laughs> whose voice needs to be heard is actually what he, how he said it. Uh, who's, whose voice is it more important that, uh, to be heard? And obviously the answer is God. And it really, though, like that just clear, simple question like, basically made me sit back and go, huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely talk a lot, in, you know? And so that was something that became, like, a profound journey for me. I've been in spiritual direction school for a while, which is, spiritual direction is this, this idea of learning to live out of the overflow of God's presence, like out of the overflow of his spirit that he's here in every moment. And we can actually practice being aware of him um, in every moment. It's a, it's a growing practice. And live out of that, out of who he is for us in that moment. And so I was already involved in that and learning to lead other people into that practice and yet that simple question really grabbed me. Even though through all the, yeah, through all of, <laughs> all of the spiritual direction school I'd done up to that point, that one question really pierced through to me. So why, let's talk about this. Why is it so hard for, for people in general, and I know we're talking in general terms here, but why is it so hard for people in general to be still and listen. And even when they come be into God's presence and are still in his presence, why is it way easier to talk than, let, than to listen? What do you think, Kim? Well, I mean, there's definitely a few that come to mind. Um, thinking back to my own story, it was, a lot of it was just the idea of I didn't know how God spoke in the first place. And I didn't really think I could hear his voice. Mm. So, you know, at that point, if you don't really know how God speaks and you don't, if you haven't experienced that, then of course you're going to do all the talking 
You know, and it's, it's not a very fun way to have a relationship with God because then you're just going, okay, God, slam the door in my face if you don't want me to go through it. Which, you know, I mean, there's nothing like a nice smushed nose to to really make it go, oh, geez, that was a bad idea. It's, it's you know, that's that can be one of it. And sometimes I think we don't want to hear it. Hmm. You know, there can be fear of what we think, what we're expecting God to tell us can be a huge one. I know, like, after I went to Youth with a Mission and, you know, second week was an entire week on how God spoke, you know, kind of the ins and outs of that. And I remember after that then going, like, there a few times I remember going, I'm like, God, I know you want to speak to me, but I don't want to hear what you have to say because I think you're going to say something that's going to be too hard mm. for me. What, do you remember what you were specifically afraid oh, of? Oh, yeah. <laughs> In that instance, yes, I do. Um, so I had just gotten done with the summer program with Youth with a Mission, which I'm going to call YWAM from now on because, <laughs> frankly, it's easier. That's how it naturally goes into my head. Yeah. It's taken a few episodes for me to stop automatically saying that. Um, so I was done with the summer program, and even before the summer program had started, I'd been talking to God about how much I wanted to come back again. Um, YWAM Chico felt the most at home Mm. I had ever felt anywhere um, in my life up until that point. And so, you know, I'd been praying, and, you know, one of the things you pray is, God, I want to lay down my will so that what I'm hearing isn't just me talking um, but I want it to truly be what you want. And I suppose maybe I should have been more specific when I was praying, because I was also like, God, I just want to come back. I don't care for what school. Like, I had an idea of, of which of the two secondary schools that they wanted, that I wanted to go to. But, you know, to a certain extent, I really didn't care as much. And I heard God say yes that I was going to get to go back. And I was all excited and ready to go. And then I go to log on to apply for the school. And the school I was expecting to apply to, uh, the, the people that staffed that school had just left. So that school was not being offered. And the only school that was left... Um, was a ministry and personal development school, um, and I had not just no desire for that, um, but I was actually kind of a little intimidated by the people that were leading it. And that's even though you had said you didn't care which one? Yeah, I said that. I was really much more excited about the worship and evangelism school than I was about the ministry school. Mm, okay. Um, you know. Speaking of things, you know, in theory, I didn't care, but when it came down to it, I cared a lot more than, than I thought. And my first thought was, did I hear you wrong, God? <laughs> Isn't that funny how we go there? We don't get the answer we want. And so we, we said, wait, yeah, I must have heard that wrong. Yeah. And then I'm like, and it took me a while and I was just like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Like I had, I had more time. To, to um, fill out my application. I didn't have to fill it out then. I was actually, for once, jumping the gun and 
getting it in early, which was not my normal mode for anything that stressed me out. Mm. And applications are the bane of one of the banes of my existence <laughs> is filling them out, um, especially then. And so I just remember like trying to pray and trying to talk to God about everything else except um, going back and doing the ministry school. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I had people going, oh, so you're going to back to YWAM, right? And I'm like, oh, dang it. Well, I, this was on multiple occasions. Yeah, on multiple occasions. I'm like, oh, I'm trying so hard to ignore you, God, <laughs> and this is not working. So you recognize that the people who keep who kept bringing it up, the multiplicity, the, the, the amount of times that was happening, that that was God speaking. To a point. I, I didn't recognize it as easily, which was then proved by the months I then spent wrestling just trying to get there. Mm. Once I finally... Because the only other thing I would hear from God, I'd be trying to ask him all these other questions, and all I'd hear was, I love you. <laughs> You're my beloved daughter. I'm like, this is not helpful. <laughs> I'm asking you about all these other stuff, and all I'm getting is I love you. I'm like, uh, there's that impatient, like, kid, like, tapping their foot, just, like, crossing their arms and tapping their foot, going, like, what the crud? I'm like, I love you, Dad, but I really want an answer. So you had a list of other things that you wanted answers for? There was stuff going on at home. There was family stuff. There was, I'm like, well, if I'm not going to YWAM because I don't think I am, like, what am I doing next? You know, like, uh, clearly I'm not going to be pleasing my parents and doing what they wanted me to do, which was go back to college. Mm. That was not my, that was not on the board, but I was like, well, should I go on staff instead? Because I could have. At at YWAM, I could have gone on staff Mm. um, at that point. That was, I was like, well, that would still be going back. You know, let me work my way around that one. (laughs) You know, it's also possible to take schools while being on staff, uh, since I knew at least one or two of my classmates were also on staff. So eventually I was just like, okay, fine. I give up. You know, yeah, I had the people telling me, you know, finally like, God, do you really want me to go back and do that school instead? And I got the same answer. Yes. And how, and how did that answer come that really made it clear for you? Honestly, a lot of the times it's still been the still small voice. I mean, I had the backup, you know, stuff with other people having brought it up. Um, but God's always been really good with the still small voice in my head that, you know, sounds like my voice, but saying things that I wouldn't necessarily say since um, yes wasn't my instinct. Mm in that particular instance. And then he also said, hey, I'm, I'm, yes, I want you to go back, but I'm telling you now it's going to be hard. Yeah. Which was probably a really good warning to have. <laughs> well, it's funny how you started this whole conversation with God about this, saying, what's your will? <laughs> <laughs> and then spent a whole lot of time trying not to really hear yeah, well, what, his, yeah. what he was showing you to be his will. Uh, but we all do that, don't don't we? Oh yeah. Like what you said about, you know, being afraid of that, of hearing, of 
being afraid of we're going to hear something that we're not going to like. And that's a, a real fear. And that's a re- it's a real fear because God is going to say things we don't necessarily like. And so, you know, there are times where we say, what's your will? I want to do your will. But then we do everything we can to, to drown out what he, you know, like talk over him and avoid spending time with him. Which is interesting that you were still, you must have still been spending time with him because you, there's, you know, you don't hear the still small voice most of the time when you're running you know, yeah. a million miles an hour through your day. It's just not how it works. No, but I've also never been good at running a million miles an hour. <laughs> uh, I'm more of the let's sit here and hide somewhere variety, which is still hard to hear. But um, I think one of the, the beautiful things that came out of the whole YWAM experience was just there was so much hunger for his presence, even even when I was trying to run in certain areas Mm. that and being home was so hard in some ways because I experienced all this freedom in YWAM and I experienced worship in ways I had never experienced before. And then I came back to a very conservative church um, and a very conservative family where a lot of the stuff I'd learned wasn't necessarily welcome. Mm. Um, I mean, it was when I was in the youth building with my friend Robert, who was still a youth pastor at that point. Like, it was welcome there, but um, it wasn't welcome when I was on the worship team on Sunday mornings or um, a lot of the other places where I normally would have been doing that. It was just something I never experienced until I went to YWAM. Yeah. The upside of something being non-denominational is uh, you get to experience things you wouldn't necessarily get to experience otherwise. And we had base worship, you know, so you had, I think there was over 100 people on staff, plus around 60 students. So just just a few people <laughs> all walking in freedom and, you know, just listening, to, learning to listen to God's voice together. Mm. And it was just totally different from anything I had experienced. So that was something I was like, I'm not losing this when I come home. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still enough of a people pleaser. I wasn't going to do that in front of the people. I didn't think it was going to go over well with. Yeah. But you know, in my personal life, it meant that I was still taking walks in nature. It meant that I was still doing quiet times the way I had learned to do it there that worked best for me. And, and we're going to talk about that, <laughs> what, what those things were that you learned, but keep going yeah. on this for a moment. But for me, it was just always like, there was just enough hunger and it was so new. Like here, I didn't, I had never heard God's voice until that January. Mm. So at that point I'm like, okay, God, like, I'm not sure that I want to hear what you have to say about this one aspect of my life because it scares me. But I was still trying, I was kind of working around, (laughs) you know, I was like, I want to hear you on practically everything else, you know? And then he's like, well, in that case, I love you. (laughs) You know, 
that was kind of the beautiful thing. He's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. It was like Stephen Bell was talking about last recording. Yes. You know, he went up onto the, the hill. It's not really much of a mountain. doesn't matter which one he went to, having been there since it was the same YWAM yeah. base. Um, but, you know, it's that sense of God's like, well, this is what you need to hear the most. And if you're not willing to hear anything else, at least hear me on this one. Well, it's interesting that the I love you is pointing to something that's important. I mean, obviously, we need, we need to be loved. Who doesn't have that need? And in that process of God's love, he always does what's best for us. His mm-hmm. way of expressing love is to give us what we really need, right? That's yeah. part of how he expresses it. And so he had two messages for you, Kim. This is what I want you to do, and I love you. <laughs> In other words, this is what's best for you. Yeah. And, and this is where you know we, we hear things from God we don't like, so we avoid it, or we, or we do hear it, and we wrestle with it, right? Yeah. And we, now we get into a struggle of wills. Like, our active not listening is, is really that struggle sometimes, that we just, we'd rather do our will than God's because we really don't trust His love and that He has what's best for us. Yeah. So the question I have is, yeah, He warned you it was going to be tough, right? Mm-hmm. That going back was yeah. going to be tough. I know you went back. <laughs> so what did you discover? Whose will was better, yours or God's? I mean, we're talking years later. So, True. But, um, you know, and how long did it take you to come to that conclusion? It, it took a little bit. I mean, he was definitely right when he warned it, me it was going to be hard. Because I think I was kind of expecting to pick up where I left off in terms of the closeness that I had felt. Um, in both the summer program and in my first school. And no one I went to either of those schools with applied. Mm. So I did, I was back to not knowing anyone other than a few people on staff. And the people that were on staff that I had gotten close to were so busy that I didn't have the same relationship with them going into this school. So... And also, I'd spent so much time fighting. <laughs> Between fighting with myself, fighting with God, and then also fighting with my parents because they were getting to the point where, like, this is starting to become a waste of time. Mm. Um, and, like, the first two, well, at least the first school where they were very supportive. Um, this last one was more of a, you're not going to make it. This is a horrible idea. This isn't what we wanted. And so as so it it was a lot more of a fight. So I kind of actually went into the school tired mm. and exhausted and a little bit of a desert season in some respects. Um, but that was that was my first time. You know, I had to trust God a lot more in that school um, because it takes a long time for me to trust, as you already have experienced, although... <laughs> God kind of shortcutted ours, mm. our friendship a bit more. But normally, and especially twenty at that point, twenty-one year old me. Yeah, right. Um, 
had some pretty huge hang-ups about trusting people I didn't know very well. And there was always the assumption that they weren't going to like the real me. And, you know, that I was so messed up that if they found out how messed up I was, I was going to get sent home. <sighs> um, so, <laughs> I learned two things. I learned how to pursue people when it didn't make sense. Because there was a girl on there in the, that school who reminded me a lot of both my sister and my mother. That's a scary place for you. Oh, just a bit. Um, and one of the first things God told me was, I want you to pursue a, a, a friendship with her. And she wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> Matter of fact, she did everything she could to avoid me. <laughs> and if you're a disc person, she's a D. Yeah. <laughs> or a type A person if you want to yeah. go that route. So she she was scary for me to try to pursue. Um, and it didn't work very well, to be honest, for a lot of it. I just kept trying and trying and reaching out and getting slapped. I'm like, God, what are you doing? This is horrible. I'm like, I smiled and she thought I was winking at her. <laughs> I kept getting in trouble. <laughs> Seemed like no matter what I did, I was getting in trouble. You know, and that one didn't resolve itself to after we came back from our internships. So it didn't resolve itself till about a month before the school was completely done. Wow. And how long was the school? Five months? Five, six months? It's a long time to go pursuing someone without any fruit or <laughs> any evidence you know, that uh, anything's happening. Yeah, that was, that was... And I kept going, God, can I stop now? And he's like, no. I'm like, dang it. I mean, I didn't do my internship with her, so I guess technically there was a two-month break where, you know... She was in Romania, and I was in Angel's Camp, California. So, you know, not much pursuing going on in those two no, months. No. Um, so that, but that was that was a huge one, and it did eventually. It eventually led to me actually. I think I either cried in front of her or yelled. It's been a while, so there actually could have been a combo. Normally, the anger and the tears come together. In my case, so. And it wound up being just apparently because she hadn't taken the time to got, get to know me, she thought I was flirting with her. Oh, wow. And I was like, if you had spent any time with me at all, you would have heard me talking about the guy I had been crushing on. So that was a no. But once she figured that out, she's like, oh, yeah, sure, we can be friends. Like, all right. Um, and it wound up being a good thing, at least for the, the end of that. Like, we were able to kind of support each other and get to know each other, um, you know. But I was just like, really? You couldn't have just said something months ago? Um, but it did. It and, and, you know, then, as you know, I later wound up working with youth. Mm. <laughs> and there's nothing more prickly than kids when they're not sure that you care about them. And it for them, it's just a way to hang out with their friends. So it did, that was a lesson that was needed. To prepare you for the next season. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was actually the other thing that came out of that school. Because you had to kind of pick an area of ministry that you wanted to focus on. And the only thing I'd been doing pretty much most of that time was volunteering in the youth ministry program. 
And so I was like, well, I, I guess that works as well as anything. Like, I, I think I could be a youth pastor. Like, that'd be cool. You know, my best friend's a youth pastor. Oh, that's... Now I'm seeing that slightly differently. <laughs> thinking nines. Um, but, you know, so I go into it and we wind up doing an internship. And I gotta say, I don't... Didn't feel like, and still to a certain extent, don't feel like I actually learned that much about what youth ministry actually looks like. Mm. I did learn what it looks like to say yes to everything and get burned out. Um, so it was preparing you for kind of what not to do? <laughs> to, yeah, to, to an extent, what not to do. Um, and, and as you know, I wound up with the, the youth pastor telling me I had no business considering being a youth pastor. The guy that you were learning... Learning not, how, yeah, learn what not to do. Yeah, well, um, at the time, you know, twenty-one-year-olds going like, well, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, this is the guy that's I've been work serving under for two months. He must have a clue. Clearly, he's listening to God. You know, so like, part of me was like, no, he's totally wrong. The other part of me is going, oh, okay, I'm just gonna give that one up. Isn't it interesting that we can refute something with our mind, but still let it settle into our hearts? Like yeah. a seed that takes root, even though our mind would absolutely say that isn't true. I know that guy is smoking crack, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, of course. Sorry. <laughs> so, but we can hear something, disagree with it in our head, yeah, and it, and yet let it in into the soil of, yeah. our, of our heart. And, and it did become one of those things. But the the ups the. The beauty of it was, is A, it wasn't what God said. And because I had done that internship and, and, you know, had at least some youth ministry experience that was directed that after I graduated, nine months, nine, eleven months later, something like that, you know, I wound up being asked to be the youth pastor mm -hmm. um, for that, for that church. And without that school... They never would have considered me. Hmm. So it was forming. It was also the as hard as it was. It was also God was using it to form other people's opinion of you. Yeah. And seeing you in a different light than they would have seen before. Yeah, because they watched me grow up. We started right. going to that church when I was ten, eleven, and I would have been about twenty. Oh yeah, I was twenty-two when I got hired. And. You know, 22, 23. My, my math occasionally stinks from that point on. But it, it really was. It was a big part of, you know, because they'd seen me volunteer for youth ministry and they'd seen me on the worship team and they'd watched me grow up, which led to a lot of pat-pats on the head and, <laughs> oh, honey, and essentially being considered either an extra kid or an extra grandkid, depending <laughs> on the specific age of the person you know and I was always the fluffy kitten who was getting lots of hugs uh, fortunately practically every adult in that church was a hugger you know I got my hug quota filled on Sunday mornings <laughs> um but they didn't take me super seriously you know a lot of them because I was just kind of there moseying along hanging out yeah I think Jesus said something about a prophet having no honor in yeah. his hometown. Yeah. The familiarity that 
you know, it really does breed contempt in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably where it would have stayed. Um, but because I did have that school that I graduated from, you know, and I'd spent the time doing the internship in youth ministry, you know, that allowed, that opened the door to, to then get to do that. So the answer to the question is God's will is much better. Yes. And in this case, it was setting you up for what you'd really been looking for all along is direction for your life, right? What? Yeah. When you were, a lot of those prayers, going back to the time when you were saying, I want to do your will and kind of avoiding <laughs> signing up for that, sounds like a lot of those questions were directed, you know, more specifically on like what comes next, what are my next steps, and dealing with, what, you know, parents' expectations of things. And and here God was was pointing to the things that you needed to know. I love you. I have what's best for you. This school is what's best for you. I've already answered all those questions. <laughs> You're just not listening. Yeah. And, uh, and when you finally... But you were listening in some ways. You were practicing some of those things. And when you... It wasn't just a matter of not listening. It was a matter of obeying. Yeah. You know, and so you did, and you found... God had, was setting you up for the next season in a powerful way, even though it was hard. He was giving you all the skills and, uh, and the favor that you needed through going through that tough school in a dry season. It's interesting that it's usually a desert that prepares us for ministry. I mean, look at Moses' life. Yeah. Look at Jesus' life. Isn't it interesting that the desert seasons are where we are prepared? We may be called, but there's also, there's more than just calling, there's equipping. Yeah. And it's the desert that equips us yeah. more often than not. Which makes sense, because the desert, when you're thinking about the plants and the flowers, you know, they have to dig their roots down really deep. Mm. You know, and we talk about it being in the buried places. Yeah. You know, that your roots grow the deepest. Because you need those roots, otherwise, you know, one good storm and the whole thing topples over. We see that with trees all the time that have shallow root systems. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We have to dig down deep in our relationship with God, which means a lot of listening. <laughs> and so you talked about uh, the different practices that they taught you that led you to hearing from God for the first time in your life, really. Yeah. So what were some of those practices that they taught you back then? What are, what are you still using? And are there newer practices? So it's kind of three, three questions, I know. But let's start with what did they teach you? So, you know, because growing up you read the Bible and you see God speaking to people in different ways. And I remember going, I want that. There's got to be something I'm missing here. And so uh, this lady, Donna Jordan, had to be my probably my absolute favorite um, as a person, as a speaker, and, you know. At YWAM. At YWAM. Because she involved God in every aspect of her life. 
you know, even silly things that you wouldn't think were that important. She wasn't doing it religiously, but she'd be like, hey, God, what do you think about what shoes I want to wear? I'm like, well, that's really cool. I don't know if I want to go that far, but, you know, just the idea that she was she was aware of his presence and how much she loved her. So she would say that out loud. Yeah. Ask that question while you were standing there or sitting or in. Well, like, you know, she was using it as examples, but a lot of what she was talking about was the different ways God speaks, you know, through his word, through other people, through the still small voice, um, through sometimes through music or poetry, using images or dreams, all this stuff that I honestly didn't really know about because it wasn't really taught, at least in the church that I went to. Mm. You know, so she, and then she talks about how, hey, you have to prepare your heart. Like, you can't be holding on to things. You know, the idea of laying, of verbally telling God, hey, I'm laying down my will and laying it at your feet. And I want to hear what you have to say. That's a funny one because that's exactly how you got there, right? <laughs> you had to lay down your will and accept God's will. So what did she say since we... There's a theme here on that yeah. one. What did she say about that? Um, uh, how uh, to lay down your will or what What kind of practices that she... You know, honestly, it wasn't so much of a practice. It was literally just saying that to God. Like taking the time to examine your heart. And go, okay, are there things I'm holding on to? Are there things that I want that I'm like grasping for and desiring? Okay, God, let me take these to you. Let me talk to you about them, and then let me leave them at your feet in prayer so that then I'm open. Okay, so basically just asking God those questions to reveal yeah. where we're out of alignment with his will. That yeah. we may not, I mean, let's be honest, we're really good at <laughs> self-deception. Yeah. We're really good at you know saying, yes, we want to hear your will, and then running for the high, you know, for the hills. Yeah. You know? You know. And, and she helped us. I think one of the things that she did that was super helpful was there's this old hymn that, you know, sometimes gets a little bit of guff or slack, however you want to say it, for being a little bit cheesy. I like guff. Let's stick guff, with that one. Let's go with guff. <laughs> um, it's called In the Garden. And I, that was, even as a kid, I was like, I loved that song, the idea of walking with Jesus in the cool of the garden. Like, just the intimacy that comes when it's just you and him alone. It's a beautiful picture. And so, you know, it wasn't something I'd... Like, I mean, I always remembered loving it, but I didn't examine it too mm. closely. Mm. And one of the one of the things she... I think she had us do it on day two or three. And she's like, here's what I want you to do. You're going to sit down far away from everyone else. I'm going to play the song. You're going to sit down. You're going to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine... That you're in that garden with Jesus. Mm. What does that look like for mm. you? Wow. You know, and for me, shocker to no one who knows me, it wasn't as much of a garden as it was we were on horseback together. Mm. And he was getting to steer, which um, since I did, I actually used to double ride with people. That's a big deal because I never let anyone steer. Wow. Um, <laughs> I knew very well that they didn't know what they were doing. 
as much as I did. <laughs> so there's a statement being made with him steering. Yeah, but we were, you know, we were going through this beautiful just meadow, and there's trees, and just, you know, the kind of area that I always loved the most, that made me feel the most at home. But it's him and me together on the horse, and I'm leaning back against him, you know, completely trusting that he's got this. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, my YWAM, my two YWAM years were definitely some of my teariest years. There were an awful lot of tears um, and emotions. <laughs> um, and she's like, and then she had everyone share. And everyone had this completely different picture. Hmm. But she said the point of that was, is that's how close Jesus is to us. You know, that he would give us an image that matches who he created us to be and the intimacy that he desires for us. Yeah. Because we often, it can be easy, especially if you grow up in certain churches or however your experience is, to think of him as distant. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, that was your perception. I mean, you you had, up in, up until all of this, your, your thought was, God doesn't speak to me basically yeah right and so in that moment what's interesting is you can add you know like you talked about dreams but you you uh in that moment you really got a a a picture of him speaking to you through your imagination yeah like um i think it's richard foster who writes the book celebration of discipline Mm -hmm. And in that book, he talks about our sanctified imagination, that our imagination isn't a bad thing. Yeah. That um, just like anything else, it can be used, obviously, to imagine bad things. Yeah. But we could also invite God into that, and God can use it to reveal things to us. Um, And so, obviously, again, like as you shared one of the, the big ones, the big one, when it comes to hearing God's voice is is the scripture because it is the objective truth and there's a lot of subjectivity in every relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a lot of um, ability for misinterpretation in any relationship. It's, and if it's true, if you can misinterpret what someone's saying that you're, you can read their body language because you're looking at them, yeah. you can hear their voice, you can hear the tone of their voice. How much more true is that that there's room for misinterpretation when it comes to our relationship with God who we can't see with physical eyes yeah. and we can't hear a literal voice talking to us like you and I are doing. Right. So that we need an objective truth. We need something to, uh, to measure everything else by. But having said that, and there are practices in learning. There's a lot of interpretation in Scripture, too, and yeah. there's learning practices that help you understand and interpret it correctly. Having said all of that, <laughs> doesn't take away from the fact that he wants to speak through all of these different ways that are more subjective, including our imagination. And then what you, what you um, said that we need to do is ask questions like bring it to God when we get those things and, and ask for even greater clarity 
ask questions about what he's doing in our lives, what he's trying to show us, and be still before him. But also, even when we get an answer or we think is an answer, keep bringing that back to him, you know, and uh, and allowing him to clarify that. So we you got you got some really good ones. I love the imagination part. I have a very strong imagination, which I I am. Um, as much as I intuitively knew that as a kid, I didn't recognize it like or acknowledge it in, in a fashion that, hey, this is a powerful thing. Yeah. And I definitely didn't acknowledge it as, hey, this is a powerful thing that God wants to speak through. Yeah. And inviting God into our imagination is, you know, into all of these things, into our writing, into our reading scripture, you know, asking him, where are you in this is a powerful thing. One of the things that has not been mentioned um, explicitly, but in your story was there, was circumstances. We, mm. I guess we talked about it in the beginning. Yeah. We mentioned it. Yeah, circumstances being yeah. all the other ones. Yeah, and everything you said about how when you were resisting or kind of avoiding at least, at, at its minimum you're avoiding um, surrendering to God's will and acknowledging it. He allowed those circumstances in your in your family life to get to a tipping point, where it was it was way more uncomfortable to stay where you were <laughs> than to go to the school that you felt was going to be hard. Yeah. And so that God uses our circumstances. He allows us, like He uses our own rebellion, not against us, for us. Yeah. Because when we're rebelling, we're walking away from him who is our life. We will walk into death. So God uses that walk into death and away from his life and light and love to wake us up. And he allows us to get to a tipping point where we go, okay, this is no fun. I'm more willing at this point to step out into the unknown than to stay where I am. The pain... My fear of the unknown is less than the pain I'm feeling at this point. For sure. And the circumstances of people talking to you over and over again and mentioning, you know, the, the, the repetitive nature of people talking to you. So that was people and circumstances. Yeah. So that's great. So, so they taught you the, those things. How have you proactively, reactively, you know, um, put those things into practice over the years? Um, well, I think the biggest one is, that, well, the first thing that they did, so we finally, we got all of our tools, you know, and then they had us sit down, and they're like, first thing you want to do, we want you to ask God what he thinks about you. Mm. You know, because that's an important place to start. I would say, <laughs> knowing... Knowing who, who God's identity is and who he says your identity is, is absolutely the most important thing. Yeah. And that was, that was where they had a start, was listening, you know, and they were very clear when it comes to the still small voice, it can be really easy to argue, argue your way out of that <laughs> and go, oh, that wasn't really God. You know, but, so what they encourage us to do is, Sit there with your pen and your paper, and just whatever comes to your mind, write it down. Mm. 
I was like, what am I getting? Nothing. <laughs> but God was so good and like that, you know, like he would bring, he brought some scriptures to my head. He brought just words, the I love you, you're my beloved, I have a plan for you, I have a purpose for you. I still have the paper somewhere. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, um, you held on to it. That's saying something. Yeah. That was what, 17? How many 17 years? years ago for that particular one, you know. And I was just like, this is really what you think about me? Like, And then they're like, hey, okay, we'll go through what you did. Does it match up with scripture? Does it line up with things that, you know, has been written in God's words? Like, yep, 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 yep. Okay. <laughs> then... That's God speaking to you. Congratulations. Now go mm -hmm. do it for someone else in your class. What do you mean do it for someone so else? Then, so, so first it's like it's easier to hear for yourself first because, you know, you screw up, whatever. But there's always that little more pressure or people-pleasing pressure um, to then go get assigned someone else in your class and go, okay, God, what do you think about... I think I had Jason. <sighs> Figures. Uh, um what do you think about Jason? And write it. Do the same thing again. Sit there and be still and write down, you know, whatever comes to your mind. And then actually have to read it out loud to them. Mm. And go like, this is what I feel like I'm hearing God say. And then, of course, give them the paper. In my case, I hope they could still read it. My handwriting is known to be pretty bad. <laughs> So just to clarify, what I hear you saying was you you were asking a question of God. Yeah. And then immediately just writing down whatever came to mind. Just start writing. Yeah. Not overthink it. Just write. And, yeah. And leaving room for, you know, God in that process. And that that very important question of what do you think of me? What do you think of this other person? Yeah. How often do we really ask God that question? Yeah, and that has definitely been one of the practices that I have kept going for the last 17 years. One that's made such a huge impact on my life and, you know, the lives of other, well, at least a few other people that I actually know of. You know, just what, what do you think? God, what do you think about me? Because it's so easy to believe the lies. Mm. You know, sometimes they get so ingrained in us that God needs to keep himself on repeat yeah. with some things. Right. And when we're not listening to him, we're not asking him those questions. You know, it's, it's, it's easier to believe the lie because the enemy is shouting it in our ear sometimes yeah. on repeat. Especially um, if we have wounds that we're not dealing with. Yeah. that we aren't facing, that we're avoiding, those wounds and, and our unforgiveness, they, they become really the megaphone that we have handed the enemy yeah. to speak louder than God's voice. And so he needs to break through all of that. He needs to break through the, the noise in the world. Yeah. And what he does it is oftentimes just keep repeating the same thing so that it becomes a very narrow laser that punches through those walls, you know, breaks through. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely been one of the huge ones. And then they didn't intend to teach me this other practice. Um, but since 
I was constantly surrounded by people there. It's 500 acres in a valley, as Stephen um, told us last week. It is extremely hard to find alone time <laughs> where you're not getting in trouble for it. Because I could go to my room, but I actually at some point got called out on that one. Um, because that was avoiding not like I would ever do that well, at all. Never. Never. Um, but so what I started doing was, I mean, there's always been a couple of things I love. I've always loved photography well, after high school. And I've always loved watching light play on things. Mm. Um, you know, over flowers. And there happens to be a very beautiful creek that runs through part of the base. And especially since I came in winter instead of summer, um, the first time, lots of greenery mm. and plants and things blooming. And I would get up before everyone else, mostly because everyone else is sleeping. It's beautiful. Um, so I, I would go out and my quiet time, a lot of the times I'd have my camera in one hand and my backpack with like my Bible and my journal in the other and I would just go out and enjoy God. Yeah. And take pictures of the things that caught my eye. Sounds like what I'm hearing, what's the important thing in that is the idea of solitude. That, um, that we're called to get away with God. Jesus did it. Even Jesus yeah. did it, right? He went away from everyone, even his own disciples, and spent time with the Father. Right, and that's a there's a big difference between solitude and isolation. Mm. Isolation, isolating ourselves from God and people happens because we don't practice solitude with God. We don't get away from everyone and everything else to hear His voice. That's a primary, important practice. And in our busy, quote-unquote, world, we don't do that. And so our days are busy days, but they're not full. Yeah. And I, they're as busy as they are, they can get pretty empty, empty of meaning yeah. in, in the busyness. And they just become basically the picture of a hamster on a, on a wheel running and going nowhere, right? Yeah. But we can have full days where we are full of, you know, whether there's a lot going on or not, the day can be full. And one of those important things, you know, and that comes from listening to God. And one of those ways is to practice times where we get away. Yeah. And this is what, you know, I've developed this rhythm in my life. You know, a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and a yearly rhythm of, of solitude. I spend, you know, two, you know, this is not necessary for every for people who are just starting this practice. It's just like anything else, you start small. But if you're not getting away with God even just a few minutes in a day, that's where it has to start. The the daily practice. But we're also called to a weekly practice, which is called Sabbath. And Sabbath is not as big as people think. It's really just about Inviting, it's a day where you practice doing the things you love to do, that you enjoy doing, and inviting God into that. It's a day of rest. Yeah. Resting, you know, like there's a reason why 
God said enough. You know, like it, the seventh day was the day of rest, right? Yeah. Because God knew when to say enough. Enough creating, and now it's time to enjoy the fruit of, of my labor. Well, there's a time to work, and then there's a time to enjoy the fruit of your labor. In fact, Ecclesiastes talks about knowing the proper times and when those times are over and a new season is beginning. That's self-control. Knowing when is enough is enough. It's time to have fun. It's, now that's enough. It's time to work. Now that's enough. It's time to have fun. But how are we going to know those things? We have to invite God in. Yeah. To, to, to speak clearly and say it's enough. And isn't it funny that Ecclesiastes ends with, this is the good thing? What is, what is it for man, right? To work and then enjoy the fruit of his work, right? And so Sabbath is a day where we are called to rest and to be still. And it is a day of some kind of solitude, of, of extended time with God that we won't do necessarily the rest of the week, maybe a longer time with God, um, whenever that is for us, and then the rest of the day enjoying Him in everything we do. And then a monthly for me is, you know, that's my daily, weekly rhythm. For me, it's a two-hour deal every day. Yeah. And then it's a weekly Sabbath, and then it's a monthly prayer day where I take a full eight hours with God. Other people I know in spiritual direction school call it, you know, an extended uh, communion time, basically, um, extended personal communion EPC they call it <laughs> where they do four hours yeah um, and then I take a, a yearly six day silent retreat to go and listen to God for and have a spiritual director that I meet with once a day it's the only time I get to speak is for about half an hour to 45 minutes with me it's usually more like 45 minutes <laughs> and take that time but this is you know like take that time to be quiet for six days other than that little period now we're giving God solitude and silence and giving him an avenue to speak yeah and that is huge and practicing these other things in that right the writing down God what are you saying what do you say about me so that's good um is there any uh, any other practices before I share some of mine <laughs> that that are have been helpful? Maybe even newer stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's another one that I, I dropped it for a bit, but it, I learned it there when I was talking about going out into nature. You know, we tend to think of being still with God, or we tend to think of alone time with God as I'm holding up in my room, or I'm holding up in whatever space. That doesn't work very well for me most of the time, unless I'm sick. In which case, it's generally still not as good. But for me, that was that place. Like, it was inviting him in and finding that place for me that was nature. Mm. It was nature then. And it's just as much, if not more important now, to have those times. And for me, those are the extended times where it's like, yeah, I'm having this time with God, but it doesn't mean I'm sitting still doing nothing the whole time mm-hmm. you know it's the I've gone out into Montanadero or I've gone out to the back bay you know whichever 
whichever I have enough energy for in the moment, because some days <laughs> all I can do is drag myself to the back bay, uh, you know. But making that time to enjoy what he's put before me and what he's put in my heart to enjoy, because yeah. I'm much more relaxed, even if I'm sweating and having trouble breathing, which, you know, that's pretty typical for me at this point. Um just being out in his creation because it's something that he created me to enjoy. Mm. And it's where he has an easier time connecting with me and I have an easier time listening. Because, as we've said before on multiple episodes, I'm a nine. I'm a body type. So for me, getting my body busy but leaving my mind free is extremely necessary and important. Yeah. For me to be able to <laughs> lay down everything else and actually hear him well. I mean, I'm because I've practiced listening to him, I can sit in my room and ask God what he thinks about this. Or ask God, okay, you had me, uh, you had me ask myself this question, now what do you say about it? You know? I can do that. And, and those are good times, too. But the best times where I feel him the closest have always been out in nature. Mm. But finding that thing for other people. For some people, they need to be in a room alone. Being out in nature would distract them more than than being in their room would. But finding that thing that you got and God can enjoy together that engages your heart. Because it's also for me worship. Yeah. Because I'm worshiping God for what he created and I do the same thing with my music with both my piano and my guitar playing you know those are those are other ways of sitting still and being listening and for me engaging part of my body so that my instincts aren't going all haywire and nuts <laughs> which they like to do uh, if I think that I'm going to hear something I don't want to hear um but giving me space to hear from him. Yeah. In those moments. That's so important. Yeah. You know. So what's something, a story maybe that you could share that uh, where God has spoken to you recently that was that was impactful, powerful for you that maybe you haven't shared before? Hmm. Is there anything? Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> Apparently we're listening right now. That's good. Let me try. Um, so, you know, we were we were meeting last week. Or, was that? Oh, that was this week. <laughs> oh, man. Or was that last week? That was last week. That was last week. Oh, yes. good. Good to know that I can keep track of time. <laughs> I, hey, I'm I like, it's all in the past. <laughs> I get it. I do the same thing um, all the time. You know, so we were meeting, and you had said, listen to You Are My Sunshine. And I had heard that earlier in the week, and I brushed it off. Mm. You heard it earlier? In... I, I had I had heard that song. Oh, my, songs song. in my head tend to be on repeat. Gotcha. And I had that, I, I did the whole, oh, God, that couldn't possibly be you. I'm still guilty occasionally of that kind of stuff. And... So I was like, so I kind of was like, oh, well, I guess now I'm going to go listen to that. 
I was like, that's just weird. And that was weird for me to for that song to even <laughs> pop in my head because believe me, it is not in my playlist. It is not something that I even ever think about. It's 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 about as far away from the stuff I listen to as possible. So, you know. Yeah. So for God to place that, I mean, for me to hear that was definitely God. Yeah, and it was a confirmation that for me that it's like, no, you weren't supposed to ignore that earlier. Um, you know, he's like, he's like, I want you to hear this, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, and I I had my nice little day or two of pretending I hadn't heard that. Um, Well, okay, um, a day and a half. You know, and I'm like, fine. And he's like, I want you to buy the song. I'm like, really? But this is what YouTube is for. (laughs) Right. I'm like, this is what YouTube is for, so that I don't have to buy the song and... The second I'm done listening to it, we can be done with this. He's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. It's like, go into iTunes. I'll show you which one. I'm like, and now we're going to be picky, too. And so I'm sitting there scrolling through so many different versions of this song. This song's been out forever. And it's obviously people, uh, it connects still. It still does. I mean, I remember hearing that song growing up and loving it, Hmm. you know since my parents were born in the 40s, you know, 50s, 60s, and et cetera. Music was very much in. Mm. And so I'm scrolling through, and I'm, like, listening to bits and pieces of them because I don't have a clue. I'm not, like, nothing's feeling super highlighted to me or standing out. I finally get down towards the bottom, and there's one by Nick Lachey, of all people. (laughs) Yeah, that's really, that's an interesting one. It's a very... I was just like, really? God? And he's like, just listen to it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, go go to the thing. And it's in a collection of songs that was all written by Nick Lachey to his um, baby. Mm. So it's a collection of lullabies. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. And God's like, this is the one I want you to buy. And I'm like, okay... Mm. Why? Well, okay, actually, I didn't ask that. <laughs> we're, then we're in the middle of house church uh, that next day, that Sunday morning, and I I probably listened to that song four or five times before church. Mm. And, you know, then we're there, and I'm like, God's like, why do you think I wanted that version? I'm like, uh, I don't know. And he's like, because it's a dad singing to his kid. Mm. And he's like, that's mm. why. This is how I feel about you. I know what you think, that, that that's prideful and, you know, arrogant. Because I was like, I'm not your sunshine. Like, that feels weird to say to God. Yeah, I'm mm. your sunshine. Yeah. I'm like, that, that can feel like a little too much. Yeah, sure. You know, because that was my instant response. I'm like, uh... Come on, he's an infinite God, infinite love, we're finite, so it often feels like too much, right? Yeah. When the infinite, when the finite hits the infinite, and uh, we have we have limitations, and we have a finite way of experiencing things, and God is infinite and overwhelming. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's like, he's like, but you are my sunshine. You do make me happy. You know, and then he's like, the, the other line he kept highlighting, he's like, don't take my sunshine away. Mm. I'm like, God, how could I ever do that? He's like, but you turn your face from me all the time. And hide. And hide. He's like, don't stop that. Mm. You know, he's like, he's like, I delight in you. And he's like, you'll never know, dear, how much I love you. And he's like, you're going to spend all of eternity getting to know my love and you still won't ever hit the depths of it. <laughs> you know, and stop hiding. Your invitation is to not hide your face from me, kiddo. Like, nothing you do is going to make me love you less. You're never going to be able to get to the depths of my love. So come on. Yeah. Like, just accept that. You know, and of course, I'm sitting there crying while I'm typing. And then you're staring. Yeah. Which you do. I'm yeah. used to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was it was such a small started out as such a small thing. Go listen to you are my sunshine. You know. And then like just sit there and ask God why. Yeah. And he's like, I love your questions, I love your whys. You know. So good to hear that he loves our questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Kim. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so a couple practices for me yeah. to, that we haven't talked about yet <laughs> is uh, Lexio Divina. Oh, yeah. Sacred Reading. We've talked, we've done some podcasts on this in the past, so I'm not going to go into in depth on this one. But I do that every morning. I, I've stopped, like, doing Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on my own, and you know, reading the scripture and trying to figure out what it's saying, and now I just ask God questions and I listen. Yeah. And so I read it three times in the morning, with whatever passage I have a devotional, which this year is practicing God's presence by Chris Tigreen. And uh, in that, so there's a scripture every morning, and, and I'll read the broader passage that it sits in, so usually about 15 verses, or yeah. 10 to 15 verses, and I'll read it three times, and I ask three questions. Every time I read it, I ask a question before I read the next the passage again for the next time. So the first time before I read it, I ask God, what do you want to highlight to me in this passage? And when I read through it, whatever jumps out at me, and when I'm done, I write that down. Second time through, what's my emotional response? Because, you know, in a relationship, there are two people, and I have to be aware of, of when I, what's being triggered in me, what I'm, what I'm feeling as I'm listening to the other person, right? Yeah. It's, it's important to not only hear them, but hear what's going on in me and acknowledge it. So that's the second time I'm reading. It's about how I'm responding, and I'm asking God. You know, like we again, we can be good at self-deception. Yeah. So we could, we can do this. We can just overwrite our feelings or ignore them and act like they're not there. So I ask God, show me exactly what I'm feeling, and don't let me overwrite it. So, and then I, I read it again. And I pay attention to that. And sometimes I have to sit in silence for a while after <laughs> before I can write down what I'm really feeling. And then the third time I, I read through it, I'm asking God, before I read it, what is your gift or invitation for me today 
that you want to reveal to me today through this passage? And I read it a third time. And then he always gives me something. He'll give me the same scripture or the same passage, uh, verse or words or phrase that he gave me to start with. Or he gives me something completely different jumps out at to me from the passage. And then I begin writing like you. Yeah. I just begin writing. And an invitation or gift as I'm writing every day, I practice that. I just start writing. And, and when I look down, I've got something that is usually pretty clearly from God. That came right out of the passage. Mm -hmm. So I do that as the ending of my time of solitude in the mornings. Yeah. But I start with a simple prayer, uh, which is a listening prayer, where I just, again, like you were saying, I just ask a lot of questions and listen. And the question is, God, where did I see your presence and where did I miss your presence in the last 24 hours? And then I sit and... I listen, and I, I just wait for, I allow him. I don't try to figure out what, what the memories are. I don't try to go back and, and remember anything. I just literally sit there and, and allow God to bring the memories to mind. And, man, memories come that I wouldn't, wouldn't have even remembered of things where I missed him. I go, yeah. oh, you were there, trying to get me to listen to my wife in that moment, and I didn't. I missed you, and it, and, it, and it cost me. And I write that down. Every memory that comes up, I write it down. And then um, every good memory, too, that where I saw him, acknowledged yeah. him, he used me, or I, he encouraged me, I write that down. And when I do these things, once I have you know, a list of things, that of memories he's revealed to me about where I saw him and where I missed him, his presence in the last 24 hours, then I surrender it all. That was yesterday. Yeah. And I see it as old clothes, hmm. right? I have to take off yesterday's clothes. They're, even the, the good, cool clothes that I really like get dirty. Yeah. And they have to be taken off. Yesterday has to be taken off. So I... I literally surrender everything I wrote down to God. And in that moment of taking that stuff off and placing it aside, it can get a little, feel a little vulnerable and naked. Because, yeah. you know. But I, I have come to a point where Colossians 3, I have it in my, I have Colossians 3 in my journal notes for every day. Yeah. It's like put off these things, right? And then put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Do you mm -hmm. see one talking about identity? There's yeah. our identity. We're, we've been chosen. Our identity is chosen yeah. and beloved and holy. We sin, but we are not sinners anymore. We are a new creation in Christ. We have old patterns of behavior and habits and things that we were coping mechanisms, but we're not that. So any, anyway, go... I, I take off the old clothes and I clothe myself in, in all of who God is for me yeah. for that day. Practicing again, John 1, 12, for those who receive him, for those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God, to become children of God. And so I, I take Colossians 3, 12 and following very seriously. As God's chosen ones, his children who are holy and beloved put on compassionate hearts, 
humility, meekness, patience, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, and and put on uh, love that wraps all these things or binds mm. all these things together like a belt. So I clothe myself, and th- these are really who God is. They're His qualities. So I clothe myself in Him. I. I feel like every morning I have the sense that when I wake up, God has come in the middle of the night and placed his essence like clothes at the foot of my bed for me to put on. And so I do that every morning, and, and that's the listening. I've, I've spent time listening for his voice showing me where I missed him and where I saw him the day before, and then I surrender all of that, and then I go to his word and, and I and I see what it says about him, his qualities, and I clothe, I, I prayerfully clothe myself in him. And then I ask him those three questions that lead into the scripture reading. Yeah. And, you know, last week, right now, it just, it was um, two Sundays ago, it was Resurrection Sunday, Easter, yeah. whatever, however you want to call it. <laughs> and uh, And I really... And we have a house church that meets in a park, and we do a lot of interactive stuff. It's yeah. really cool, like you were talking about. And I didn't want to go on Resurrection Sunday, the big, the big one. <laughs> and I had no motivation, and actually avoided God. You know, my normal two hours didn't do it mm-hmm. on Resurrection Sunday. The one day you would think this is where it's important. Yeah. And I basically spent the whole day, you know, turning my face, you know, hiding that sunshine from him, right? Um, Don't take my sunshine away. Well, I did. I took myself away from God's presence that day. So on Monday morning, I go back to it, and I'm like asking him where I missed him, where I saw him in the last 24 hours, and what he brings up to me was like you were grieving. Yeah. Like you missed You missed me ministering to you in your grief, and you even missed that you were grieving. Yeah. Like, and it was like a shock. It was like, oh my gosh. As soon as I heard that, it made so much sense what was going on the day before, because a year ago, Resurrection Sunday, was the last time the church community that I was leading met. Yeah. Before I went on a three-month sabbatical that pretty much... We never came, like, the church never came back out of, you know, out of those three months that I took away. And so I was feeling grief that it had been a year, and here it was, you know, the reminder of what was, what I feel like I lost. And that acknowledgement, like, God revealing that to me was helpful. But it was only the beginning because I had to then face my grief. Yeah. And so the next day, on Tuesday morning, I'm sitting with him in this practice, again, of listening. And, and in the emotional, when I, you know, again, I, I ask God, what's my emotional response in the reading as I'm reading the passage? And what I felt that morning was I felt like a failure. Mm. That Tuesday morning, I felt like I was sitting in rubble and ashes of what was the church community, that I was just sitting in brokenness. Oh, you know, I could just, in my imagination, I just saw myself in a, in a ruined city, basically, with no one around. 
and just burned out buildings, and I was sitting in the midst of that. And, and I, you know, like, what I've learned to do is acknowledge that before God. And so as I was, as he was, I was seeing and feeling this and hearing myself and bringing it to God and inviting him into that, what I heard him say clearly in that time was, you are taking what's mine. You are robbing from me. Mm. And I need you to give it back. And that was pretty that was pretty crazy. Like, whoa, yeah. what am I stealing from God? What am I what am, what am I taking from you? Yeah. And he's like, Your brokenness, your sense of failure, your shame. Mm. Kurt, we made an agreement. You came to me at the cross and we made a trade. You gave me your failures. You gave me your sin. You gave me your brokenness. And I gave you my victory. You gave me your failure, and I gave you my victory. Yeah. And now you're trying to take it back. Mm -hmm. Stop. It's mine. It's not yours. It hasn't been for a long time. So give it to me. So that is what I heard very clearly, and it was super convicting. Mm -hmm. This is where the conviction of God, though, also is very encouraging. Yeah. And all he was offering me was victory and, f and freedom from my failure, but I had to surrender it. And I've learned how surrender really is freedom. Mm -hmm. And it is laying these things before in God's presence and in and, and prayer, like praying and giving them to him and then leaving them there and walking away. Yeah. And I'm still learning to do that. It's still, I, what I say a week later, that, it's, that I'm, I'm, I'm done. Now, this is a journey, and I'm still struggling to surrender that brokenness and failure to him. But he's clarified where this part of the journey is for me and, and um, growing and trusting him. So that's, that's the new stuff for me, yeah. you know, uh, in, the, in the last just few weeks of where I'm hearing God and what, and what I'm practicing in this season and the things I've just shared, I wasn't doing that a year ago. Yeah. So this is, this is new stuff for me, even though I've gone through spiritual direction school and things like that and learned these practices, the listening has increased in the last year. And I would say my growth in intimacy with God has, has like really taken a huge surge forward in this last year. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is COVID. <laughs> that yeah. God has called the whole world to slow down. And when we slow down, we listen better to people and especially to God and even to ourselves. And so this is a season where I think God is inviting the world to practice listening. And COVID is the way that he's getting our attention. I think it's one of the aspects of what's going on. He didn't create this disease or this virus just like he didn't create the disease I struggle with but he uses all the things of the, the brokenness in the world to build better things yeah and so I think that um, if this is the invitation that we're all called to listen mm -hmm. mm. <sighs> wow that went long <laughs> <laughs>
Sometimes do be like that. Well, Kim, if you don't mind, um, I think I'm going to pray. If that's okay with you. That's what I was feeling, so <laughs> it works. That's what you were hearing? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what I like to do, um, it's going to be weird on a, on a uh, <laughs> podcast, but what I like to do, uh, one of the habits I've learned is be, when I start to pray, that I leave space for God to uh, speak before I jump in, as my friend said. Who is it more important to listen to, you or God, in prayer? <laughs> uh, so, I, so I'm going to leave just a, you know, about 20 seconds or so of silence and, and listen for what he has to say to us and then pray out of that with my words. Mm. This is your, your uh, time, God, that we're making space to listen. I would even invite everyone who's listening to do the same. God, thanks for the reminder that there's more to listening prayer than we've even shared. There, there's a lot more. And even paying attention um, when our mind is racing and um, our heart are, is in turmoil, that um, the way you've wired us is mind, body, and spirit, and we can pay attention to our body when we can't seem to sit still and just be present, we can focus on our breathing slowing that down and it, and that is connected our body's connected to our mind and spirit and if we slow that down deliberately that our mind and our spirit our emotions our our will can also slow down to a place of surrender that's what you brought to mind as i was sitting in silence is that is a good way to learn to listen is just focus on our breathing and uh, so that everything else slows down. God, I pray that um, you will help everyone listening and those who are connected to them to slow down so they can hear you. God, I pray that when this is over, they will be intentional even right after this, listening to this, or tomorrow, to make time to be still and listen and ask you questions and wait for answers. God, thank you that you're always speaking. Thank you that you're always working to break through to us. And thank you that even when you're the most convicting to us, it's also encouraging because all you want is for us to be free from our shame, our fear, our hurt, free from our patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving that limit us from knowing you 
and knowing ourselves and interacting with other people from the fullness of intimacy with you, out of the overflow of your spirit. We pray for more. Lead us to listen so that we can receive and reflect all of who you are to us, God. We just pray this in your authority, Jesus, that you've given to us, and your power through your Holy Spirit that you've also given to us. Amen. Amen. This is good. Thank you for sharing a lot of your story. Appreciate that. Hey, thanks for asking the question so I didn't have to. <laughs> it's really good to have interviews with other people, and it's also good to have this time with you as well. Yeah, I always enjoy it. For those who are listening, if you uh, have questions, if we what we've talked about is, has brought up questions or concerns that, you want someone to talk to, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you want to, you know, also support what we're doing through prayer and financially, we'd love to share, uh, hear from you as well on that so we can tell you how best to do that. And the best way to do that is to really reach out to us through our email, email which is uh, lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Life Hurts God Heals. And you can message us there. And until next time, we just want to say have a blessed week. And may you hear God's voice, the voice of love talking to you. Until next time, be blessed.